edition of the People's Show. Love it. Beautiful day. Beautiful time hanging out with you. Bick Nazar here on the People's Show coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Eddie G behind the glass. Dom running the show. You as well, 650-650. Into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, 650-650. Busy show today. We got Big Six coming up today. Week two edition of the People's Show. And we kick things off today here on the People's Show with Andrew Siciliano from NFL Network. You can see him every Sunday, 9 a.m. Pacific, on NFL Game Day Preview on the NFL channel, available on the NFL app, Fast Platforms, and NFL.com slash NFL channel. Andrew, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing fantastic. A, a good Thursday nighter to react to. A lot of offense after a, a slow week one. Uh, what do you uh, like about that game? Finally, kind of a, a bit of a change of pace from what we saw in week one. Uh, you mean uh, specifically what I like about last night's game? Yeah. Um, I mean, I like the fact that the Eagles, uh, after watching Jalen Hurts get hammered in the first quarter, decided to just run DeAndre Swift a thousand times and you know, uh, let their quarterback get a breather. Um, I think it's hysterical that at times they were booing last night in Philadelphia, especially early on. Granted, the game was pretty ugly early on by mm. by all accounts and, and on all sides. But, look, the Eagles are 2-0. They're finding ways to win. And I also think that they're finding, at least early in that game yesterday, um, the fact that teams have had seven months in the lab, no Phil Belichick last week, with a chance to figure out this offense. And uh, it's not going to be easy sledding the entire way, but hey, they are two and zero. And as for the Vikings, you got to at least attempt to run the football in this league. You know, it, it would help. So they should try that. Uh, we we see it like once a year uh, that touchback fumble rule. I, I personally love it. I, I'm I'm pro defense on this show. Absolutely love it. Uh, where do you stand on uh, the the rule we see once or, <laughs> or twice a year? So. it's tough to change. I understand why people hate what happened last night. Justin Jefferson's going in. He's by the pylon. He's stretching for the pylon. He loses the football, and it goes inside the pylon. Therefore, it's the defense's ball and a touchback. Um, I don't think that should be that way. However, I don't know that there is a good way to change the rule. Because let's, let's... Let's do this hypothetical. Justin Jefferson is running down the middle of the field. Okay? He caught a deep ball. He's out ahead of the defense. And at about the 10-yard line, safety catches up with him, takes the ball out. Justin Jefferson knees the football as he fumbles, and it rolls all the way through the back of the end zone under the goalpost. How do you think that should be officiated? Yeah, for me, that's... uh fumble and it should be an eagle's ball or, or the it should be fumble and the defense's ball yeah justin jefferson fumbled on the five yard line 10 yard line or whatever it goes all the way through the back of the end zone i don't see a world sorry for the noise there's a truck driving by <laughs> i don't see a world where that should be the vikings football but how do you differentiate that play from the play we saw last night which is justin jefferson fumbling at the pylon while trying to score and making an amazing athletic play. You're going to say there's one rule for out of the back of the end zone Mm -hmm. and another rule for out of the side of the end zone near the pylon. It's tough to thread that needle. And the league has every year this comes up, the competition committee has decided 
we can't find a way to differentiate between all the possibilities of fumbles through the end zone, so we're going to just keep it as it is. The play I don't like, and I talked about it last year as well. Uh, we saw it again last night, and I saw the NFL's Twitter account even changed it as their their Twitter header. It's it's the tush push, Andrew. I think the only reason we put up with it is because it's got a cool name. If it didn't, I think we'd try to make more uh, make more of a move to try to outlaw this. It's not exciting. It used to be the extra point. I would walk away to the kitchen, grab a drink or something like that. Now it's when it's first in goal or whatever down it is from the one for the Eagles, I get up and I go, it's like, well, it's going to be six points here. Yeah. It's now it's another tough one. They, they discussed it and discussed it and discussed it and couldn't find a way to write the rule um, in a manner that would a outlaw what you don't like, but B still keep it football. So how do you, how do you write that rule? And I, I think next year they find a way. Wow. Guys driving a dirt bike by me. Good lord! Um, I think next year they find a way to change it. Um, this year they chose not to, and give the Eagles credit. Uh, credit they're playing within the rules, and no one's found a way to stop it. Uh, we used to do this thing every uh, week too, where it's like, hey, teams that go zero and two, they're they're usually going to fall their way out of the playoffs. It's like a seventy percent uh, hit rate of of those teams failing out. Is it a bit overrated now because we get the extra week, you get more buffer to recover? Totally. Teams are using this as an extended preseason. That extra week, yeah. how much of it does it play here in the early part of the season? So I, I think um, I, I have told our research department at the network that I, I think we should totally remove that page in mm-hmm. our weekly research packet that it's worthless. They disagree. Um, it's a friendly disagreement um, because I, I think really only the last two years of data is significant because with the extra, not only the extra game, but the extra team making the postseason, that data to me is worthless now, right? Because we're adding, now we have 17. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> The previous right. data was under an entirely different playoff. <laughs> but regardless, 0-2 is bad. I think we agree on that. Oh, for sure. And, you know, some teams are going to yeah. go 0-2 this week. Uh, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs, for sure. Who are you nervous for going into week two? Not just teams, but also, I, I guess, a little bit here and here, coaches. Because there's a couple of coaches that are going to this. I, I look at Chicago. I look at uh, the, the, the Chargers. Kind of tenuous spots to begin with. And if you start your season slow and your players are looking at it, it's, it's not going to be until week five till we get above 500 if it goes well here. Uh, who are you nervous for going into week two? Um. I think you chose the two good ones right there. I don't know if I would use the word nervous, but I would say that if I were, if I were a coach on that staff, I wouldn't feel comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. here in L.A. with the Chargers, uh, they blew – obviously, we don't need to replay it, but they blew the, the 27-3 lead last year in the wild card round in Jacksonville. And Brandon Staley then fired his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator and brought in a new athletic trainer because they've had a lot of injuries. So where do we sit here today? Their defense was awful last week. He runs the defense. Uh, They are injured. It looks as if Austin Eckler is not playing and Joey Bosa is questionable. And Eckler is questioning on his podcast the team's injury history. So that's not good at all. And then in Chicago, um, you know, I'll take the word of the people that cover that team. Uh, They said it doesn't feel good there um, at all. You know, there are some Bears fans, my friend Kyle Brandt, notably on Good Morning Football, that said this was their biggest game in how many ever years? Like, all this offseason hype, all the additions you made to the defense, 
Um, another year for Justin Fields in the same system. It's the Packers, and I know it hasn't been the sexiest rivalry of late, and I used to live there and cover it daily. Um, it is the best rivalry and the most historic rivalry for my money in the NFL to be embarrassed like they were embarrassed last week and then to have the effort of your team openly questioned, not just Chase Claypool. Um, it was a bad week in Chicago, and they need to go to Tampa and beat the Bucks. I think they need a win as much as any team out there. Talking to Andrew Siciliano from NFL Network. You can watch him every Sunday at NFL Game Day previews where you look ahead to week two. You know, the Bills also pick up that loss on Monday Night Football and a lot of focus on Josh Allen. And, you know, there's this idea that, hey, Josh Allen, he, he, he's got to evolve. But I, I look at it similar to how I've always looked at someone like, you know, when you have such physical gifts, things come easy to you. And, and a guy like Russell Westbrook in the NBA, we've always said, oh, he's got to change, but he's getting these big contracts and he gets picked high and all these things. Teams trade for him. It's like, what are the lessons that he should change? And I look at Josh Allen, he gets picked at seventh overall, he gets big contract, he gets thrust into Madden covers, all this sort of stuff. What's the reason for Josh Allen to change, even though he's had all the success along the way? So I'll, I'll give you two numbers. Number one, since he was drafted, no one has turned the ball over more mm-hmm. in the NFL than Josh Allen. Number two, the last eight games in which Josh Allen has not turned the ball over, the Bills are 8-0 and they average 32 points a game. <laughs> and it's really simple math. It's not all Josh's fault. Clearly, it's not Josh's fault that Xavier Gibson ran the ball back 65 yards in overtime for only the third walk-off punt return touchdown in NFL overtime history. It's not his fault that that happened. Uh, I love Josh, both professionally I love the guy personally. Um, he has spoken openly and did so many times in this offseason, maybe not many times, but at least a few times, that he knows he has to change the way he plays, less hero ball. Now, most of it – now Now we're passing the, the guy with the, the hedge trimmer. I, I am so sorry. Um, <laughs> long walk home. Uh, you're getting every single sound of the South Bay. Here. Um, Josh, when he says he needs to change, most of what he meant at the time was he needs to be more careful with his body. He's getting up there in age. Like he, he can't run like a maniac and, and take all the hits that he is taking. Um, but he also can't throw as many picks as he's been throwing. Yeah, so, uh, they, he, he's got to change or they're not going to win. I, I just really wonder if, he, if, if it's in his nature to change as well. It is. It's in his DNA. It's totally in his DNA. And as long as he has the athletic ability to do it, it's hard to rewire a guy. Mm-hmm. It's how he got here. Uh, as we kind of move through week one and into week two here, um, is there any preseason thoughts you'd, you'd almost like to take back after one week? Not necessarily overreaction to what we saw in week one, just something you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have believed this or, or maybe I believe this too much. I, I would maybe not necessarily what I believe. I'm going to call fan base out. But sure. I, I would say that the the preseason only means so much. And I know that in Pittsburgh they were riding high, which is great. Like, I think it's the best division in football, the AFC North. You know, the Steelers had five possessions with their starting offense in the preseason. They scored touchdowns on all five, and Kenny Pickett had a perfect passer rating of 158.3. You saw how that went against the Niners. So the preseason only means so much. 
Um, on the flip side of it, too, is that there are a lot of teams that didn't play their guys in the preseason. Let's say the Bengals. That looked awful last week. And there are teams that didn't play their guys in the preseason, say the Rams. That looked amazing last week. So every set of circumstances is different. But I would say pump the brakes on the Steelers, although I do think, because Mike Tomlin's track record says this, they will be just fine and they will be in the conversation in December. A lot of good matchups in week two. Uh, I'm looking ahead to uh, Sunday night football. It's the Dolphins and uh, the Patriots. It, it's with the fireworks show that Mike McDaniel and Tua put up in week one versus a very, very good defense that I don't think I gave enough credit for. And, and here's Bill Belichick kind of doing it all over again. Uh, that game, is that the one that you're kind of most focused on this weekend? Um, I think it's a good one, certainly. Um, they had a top 10 defense here ago, if memory serves. They had Keon White. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Marte Mapu. They had Christian Gonzalez. So they added some pieces to that defense. And, again, like you give Bill Belichick seven months to look at the Eagles offensively. Mm-hmm. You don't think he was watching the Super Bowl last year thinking about having to face the Eagles this year. He was. Um, they're going to have a good defense. That said, um, he's never beaten Tua, as odd as that sounds. Tua Tungavaloa and the Dolphins are undefeated against Bill Belichick. That is when Tua is starting at quarterback. So if they can find a way to slow down Tyreek Hill, and Belichick generally has, Hill's never had 100 yards against the Patriots, then it's an interesting game. But Mac Jones can't be throwing the ball 50 times. He had a career-high attempt last week, and that's not a formula for them to win at all. Yeah, it was Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson when the Patriots got the win over the Dolphins last year. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll get you out on this one. Uh, people love the the rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Brian from Brook Mountain texting into the show said, hey, ask Andrew about Anthony Richardson and the Colts. Uh, very impressive uh, rookie debut for the, the Colts yeah. pivot. He, he looked good. Um, he looked very good. Uh, there are still going to be every week a couple of those throws where you go, no! <laughs> and then he, you know, he finds a way. Um, but I, I would say both he and C.J. Stroud look very good. Um, and I'm excited for that one because they go head-to-head this week. There is one red flag. However, C.J. Stroud just popped up on the injury report with a shoulder today is being limited. He is now officially questionable. Um, there is no thought that he's not playing but I'd say it's something to monitor as we get closer to Sunday. Uh, he is Andrew Siciliano. If you're not already following him on Twitter, do so at Andrew Siciliano every Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific on NFL Game Day Preview on the NFL Channel, available on the NFL app and NFL.com slash NFL Channel. Andrew, appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Have a great weekend. That's Andrew Siciliano from NFL Network here on The People's Show. Hopefully he's getting home safely. It's like Borderlands, that video game there. It is San Francisco. Yeah. I was wondering what sound trolleys was going to come next. next. Yeah, trolleys were, were expected. But uh, fantastic stuff there from uh, Siciliano here on our airwaves on the People's Show. I hate that tush push, man. Got to, if, if it was called like... It's a better name. It, it's a fantastic name. I think that's why people put up with it. But it's not exciting. Every one-yard plunge for the Eagles, you, you may as well just go like pick up your phone and start texting someone and, and find out what else is going on in the world. Or booty bump. Yeah. So, Please no. I think Richard Sherman uh, yesterday called it the uh, two-cheek sneak or something like that. Please stop. So some great names for it. But if it was boring, if it was like QB plunge, we'd hate it. I was in the group chat with Reach and Josh last night. and Wait, there's me, a 650 group chat? I'm not no, 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 no. It's not a 650 group chat. Sad, it's babe. a golf group chat. Oh, right. Yes. And um, 
I chalked it up to the just the Vikings having a crappy defensive line. Well, they got whooped. Yeah. They got pushed around last night, let alone shooting themselves in the foot with the uh, punt return fumble, yeah. which was a great punt return, muddied by a fumble there, but also the touchback fumble as well, which, again, I love. I absolutely love it. It's chaos. Defense gets to win sometimes too, y'all. It's not all, it's not all just about points. Defense is allowed to do their job as well. I agree with Andrew. I don't know how you take it out of the game. Yeah. That, now, that's I, one of those weird scenarios where it's just like you just have to live with the fact that it's a fumble out of the end zone. Man, you didn't hold on to the ball. Yeah. It's on you. It's on you. By the way, we need to give mad respect to Jason Kelsey and what that guy is capable of. It would not shock me. You're going to watch the documentary that they showcased a bunch of times? I don't have Prime. I want to have Prime just for that. I mean, just for the beard alone, Jason Kelsey rules. New Heights, great podcast. Mm -hmm. They have a ton of fun. But, man, can that guy push some weight around. Holy crap, can he push weight around. With him and Jalen Hurts there? The overhead angle of the tush push or the booty sneak or whatever the hell you guys called it. Booty bump. Booty bump. Two-cheek sneak. Get it right. Two-cheek bump. Um, It is insane. Mm Mm-hmm. He's Do you strong. know how much weight is on your 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 quads in that moment? How much force? Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And you're pushing it like it's nothing. That's why he's going to the Hall of Fame. Mad respect. He's going to the Hall of Fame for sure. Uh, this one, uh, unsigned text. If it's the offense who touched it to when the ball comes out of the 10 yards, and if it was second and goal, then it's third and 10. If the fumble falls out at the one, it would have been their ball at the one. Sure. Yeah, rules are rules. We, we, we get that. But there's a difference between the one-yard line and the end zone. One yard line, it's like you just got to run another play. End zone, you get six points. Shouldn't the reward match the risk too? You try to cross the plane without the ball. Seems like a you problem. Let the defense win sometimes too. Can barely breathe on wide receivers right now. But hey, they they lunge for the pylon. How dare we ask them to, I don't know, hold on to it as well? Goodness. Defense, part of the game as well. Stop trying to cater all the rules to the offense. You got to earn your points. Don't need to live in this world where it's all about uh, the next touchdown. Defense has their space in the game as well. 650-650, keep coming with your thoughts. It is time, though, for our NFL preview. Brought to you by Clayton Public House, pregame to postgame. The Clayton Public House, your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors, the ClaytonPub.com. We'll tee up a couple of more games moving forward as well in Big Six. About uh, 14 minutes away. We'll get to that. Also love Guys Name and Dudes, first debut uh, segment. For a new feature we're going to do here on uh, the People Show. A couple other games to keep an eye on. Mentioned uh, Chiefs Dolphins, or uh, Patriots Dolphins uh, with uh, Siciliano there. That's a Sunday nighter. Two Monday nighters this week. I don't like that they're doing this. Two Monday night football games an hour apart. If you do it week one, that's cool. But doing it week two, it just feels like it throws off the rhythm. You'll notice it's Sunday when there's one less game. I get into the mix of things here on Sunday. We're a little bit shorter on games this weekend. Uh, The one that I think the the cool thing about all these quarterbacks in the AFC is you're going to get a great matchup every single weekend. Lamar versus Burrow, divisional game, of course. But that's one uh, keeping an eye on. Obviously, Chiefs and Jaguars as well. Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence. Talking about four of the 
five, six best in the AFC in just two matchups here. You're getting just tremendous games. We'll start with the Ravens and the Bengals. Ravens have a host of injuries right now. And one thing that was obvious on the weekend is how the weather impacted the Bengals. Uh, Last I saw, I think there was just a chance of showers in that game in Ohio. How will that impact Joe Burrow, who was doing all sorts of things with his glove on the weekend, played with it, played without it. Weather impacting uh, Joe Burrow's handling of the ball if if that plays a factor do the Ravens get an edge on that you'd expect the Bengals they've they've shown this too the ability to bounce back have that edge to them in this game but the Ravens I like what they did on offense it's going to be some growing pains you're going from quite a contrast with Greg Roman's offensive philosophy into Todd Monken there's some growing pains but Zay Flowers looks incredible these these first-round wide receivers right now in the NFL, just throw a dartboard. You're likely to hit a very successful guy. It, it, it's basically just Jalen Rager. That's the biggest failure of first-round picks here recently. Everybody else, you just seem like you're getting a functional player that's really fun, not even just for your fantasy teams, just a fun player to watch, just a joystick out there. Zay Flowers, a guy to keep an eye on this week and how they match up against the Bengals, who kind of got run on over the weekend. That's supposed to be the strength of their defense is how they stopped the run. Browns did a very successful job. We know what Lamar can do to the ground game for your team, but Ronnie Stanley's looking out. They're missing interior offensive linemen as well. Will the Ravens get the ground game going? Uh, Bengals favored by three in that game. Maybe they'll be featured in big six. We'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, Jaguars and Chiefs, though. Playoff revenge moment here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Also playoff revenge for the Ravens as well. But uh, Jaguars smarting with two losses last year to the Chiefs. How do they recover? And get ready for this game. The thing with the Jaguars is they didn't make a ton of improvements over the course of the season. You know, Calvin Ridley is obviously the big one, but they kind of doubled down on themselves for the most part. And in that playoff game, it just felt like whenever Travis Kelsey wanted a, a catch, he got his catch. Well, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, back at practice today, I saw Travis Kelsey even pretend to fake an injury for reporters uh, nearby. He's fine. He's fine. You, you can trust him back in your lineups. Looks like he's going to be full go come Sunday. But if they can't solve that, we talked last week, Miami had all summer to worry about how did the Chargers play them. Tua struggled so much last season versus, versus the Chargers. You come into the offseason, you work all about it. That's your week one matchup. You conquer that. Jaguars, same thing. You lost to the Chiefs twice last year. How do you come back? Massive growth from Trevor Lawrence already. Looks like immediate chemistry with Calvin Ridley. That's one side of the ball, though. How are you going to stop Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey off of a loss already on national TV? Big marquee moment for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do they step out and show up and show that they can hang with the AFC elite? Because if they win this one, against the Chiefs. Look, they play in that AFC South. Suddenly, we're having a conversation with the Jaguars potentially having the number one seed. That's what's at stake here for them because they get to play Houston, because they get to play Indy, because they get to play Tennessee, who's probably better than we might give them credit for, but it's not as if they're a heavyweight across the league. Good opportunity for Jacksonville to get some playoff revenge and put themselves in a huge conversation for first seed in the AFC and getting that bye week. The other one I'm kind of into for the Clayton Public House NFL preview. 
Raiders at Bills. Sneakily. I'm kind of into this one. Jimmy G, all he does is win, man. He gets W's. And Josh Allen right now playing chaos ball, hero ball. And, you know, Andrew kind of mentioned it. Like He's got so many physical gifts. And I always just wonder about athletes that because they always got these physical gifts, and even when we say, hey, they got to change their nature, they got to change their game, and yet they get big contracts, they get picked high, all this belief put in them. There's, there's not a lot of reason to change because you keep getting rewarded for how you are. If you're loose with the ball against the Raiders, that eight-and-a-half-point spread suddenly get gobbled up and the Raiders just hang around in this game. And Jimmy G, maybe it's the good looks and, and, and maybe just good luck always comes Jimmy G's way. But is that a chance for the Raiders to go into Buffalo, pull a huge upset? And strike their claim in the AFC West. Are, are they the under-discussed team in the AFC? The Raiders. Even though not a huge investment in that roster. But suddenly, if uh, Josh Allen, who, if you go check from last from last year, since Brian Dable has left, he's only had three games where he hasn't had an interception or a fumble. That's it. So you get what, seven, eight, nine possessions a game? You're giving away one already because you're Josh Allen? That's troubling. Got to protect the ball. Got to get that team back in the win column. Uh, We'll discuss maybe that game. Maybe one of the other ones we mentioned. Moving ahead in Big Six. Five minutes away, plus the premiere edition of Guys Naming Dudes. You don't be... Don't got to be a guy to play along, but there's the famous tweet of guys will literally just hang around for two hours naming their favorite players. We'll bring that to the airwaves on the People Show coming up. Plus, Andre Kuzmenko spoke to Ian McIntyre. Some thoughts on that over at sportsnet.ca. All on the way, you can feature into the show as well. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. More on the way on the People Show. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Second half of the People's Show coming to you live from the Kintech studio. You're always part of the show as well. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. With three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Steve in Vancouver. Jimmy G, all he does is win. Real deep analysis. Just lazy hot take nonsense. He's 41 and 17. He crushes when he's under center. That's quite honestly the most accurate mantra around Jimmy G is that he just wins. Yeah, I'm not I'm not even really a Jimmy G fan. It's not even original. That's not I, an original take. That's a quite a popular take in football. I, I, I think there's a major issues with Jimmy G. But uh, in, in 45 seconds of a preview for this weekend, I just have to say all he does is win. You know what? But we appreciate the text. We no. read all the texts that no. come in. It's a lazy text. It's a lazy take. <laughs> That's a lazy take. Calling you out for your lazy take. 
Uh, we need you in the inbox moving forward as well. 650-650. You can play along with us. Guys, name, and dudes. Don't need to be a guy to play along. Just uh, love chatting about something. We, Dom's got a prompt that he's going to announce to us. We're going to do this every Friday as we leave the show. Uh, we're, we're looking for a category of players, but we'll do that in just a little bit. Before we get there, started slow last week. Two and four with the, uh, the, the, the most contested segment I think we have. On the station. It's Big Six. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Take it to the house. It's Big Six. Listen these in order of uh, kickoff, so don't uh, jump the queue on any of them. Again, two and four last week. Rebounding after week one. Packers plus one and a half at the Falcons. I'm back in the Packers until the market catches up to them. Falcons defense was fortunate that they got to go up against a rookie QB at home in week one. It's no means an accomplished unit despite the turnovers that they generated. Even with the turnover advantage, there's some short field play to it as well, but Carolina wins the time of possession and had nearly five yards of carry. That's where the Packers will have their success. Desmond Ritter looked a little shaky in week one as far as decision-making goes. I have my concerns over the Packers, how they'll defend the run against this very strong running game, but the Falcons have issues defending the pass rush. Will they generate enough explosives to score at a high rate? I'm taking the points here. Packers win 24-20. Colts plus one at the Texans. Who's even left playing for the Texans? You heard uh, Siciliano mentioned CJ Stroud is questionable. So many other injuries across the board. I don't know if they're going to be able to protect Stroud, even if he's playing with the Colts interior defensive line the way they played the week prior. Anthony Richardson looking so poised, encouraging signs as well for the Texans defense. But they're set up repeatedly with short fields. The offense can't sustain drives. Eventually that dam just breaks. I'm taking the point. Colts win 24-10. Buccaneers minus two and a half versus the Bears. Fairly stunned that this isn't the full three points. Bears, always a bit of a public team being in Chicago, so let's take advantage of that. The offense just doesn't look like they can get basics right. Effort. When you're going to have that paired with Vita Vea, one of the hardest workers along that defensive line in the league, going against that Bears front, I think this might be the biggest mismatch this week. The Bears offensive line versus the Buccaneers front. Are you going to get big plays from this offense? And it started slow for Baker Mayfield last week. Uh, they did just enough for me to allow me to have some faith in this Bucks passing game with Evans and Godwin. Didn't turn the ball over too, which is big. I'm laying the points. Buccaneers win 24-13. Seahawks plus four and a half at the Lions. This is more about playing the number. Lions been moving all over the place. Just too many points. It opened last week at three. Then it skyrocketed to six. Bit of an overreaction. Settled back down to four and a half. Should probably be at three and a half or three all along. Yes, there's injuries along the offensive line. That's a concern. But as we discussed last Friday, Lions secondary didn't really influence any of the Kansas City drops that we saw last week. All this concern when it comes to the hands there. It's not as if they were under pressure by Detroit. These were just clean drops. Secondary's got to be a tighter. Those drops aren't going to happen with Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, DK Metcalf. Seahawks will be able to throw the ball despite the injuries along the offensive line. I do expect this to be a high-scoring game, though. Jared Goff thrown in the middle of the field. That's where he thrives. What do we see last week with the Rams? Where Jared Goff used to play? Where the Seahawks got beat repeatedly by Matthew Stafford? 
middle of the field. They're familiar with Goff, though, through his time in the NFC West. I'll take the point. Seahawks win 30-27. to Giants minus four and a half at the Cardinals might be the easiest one to pick on the board. I imagine it's going to be a very popular one as well for survivor picks as well. But when you get crushed on national TV, it becomes a business week. Best foot forward for a very good coach in Brian Dayball. This isn't the type of defense that should give Daniel Jones all sorts of fits. If he's got two feet on the ground, not getting pressured, how will that offense design safe plays for him to constantly move the ball forward? Look for a big game from the run game as well. Cardinals have all sorts of problems offensively. Giants defense, defensive line in particular, should thrive. I'm laying the points. They win 24-13. Finally, Patriots plus three at the Dolphins. Patriots defense is for real. I think there's more athletes than I tend to give credit for. Belichick always likes the smart guys, technical guys. There are some dudes along this team here that are freakish athletes, and they might be able to hang with the speed or at least put them off with a little, with a little bit of strength. They're physical. They'll reset the line of scrimmage, create inside pressure on Tua. How will he react this week under pressure? Mac Jones looked great in recovery mode last week, but if the offensive guards come back, establish more of a running game, can Bill control the clock, and keep the Miami offense off the field. Patriots in an upset. 24-23. So take the points there. Recapping, it's Packers plus one and a half. Colts plus one. Buccaneers minus two and a half. Seahawks plus four and a half. Giants minus four and a half. And Patriots plus three for week two of Big Six. Chime in as well, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. If you uh, logged on yesterday, saw a great piece by Ian McIntyre talking about Andre Kuzmenko and uh, talking to Andre Kuzmenko and mentioned, hey, the workout regimen for Andre Kuzmenko improved. Now, this is best shape of my life season. We haven't even started the preseason or training camp. This is best shape of my life for every guy coming in. Uh, But detailed, hey, my my diet last year, not so good. Eddie G. It's kind of the the, the Bic Nazar Eddie G uh, diet there. Waffles with Nutella. The media diet. Yeah, that was the media diet uh, last season. He shows up, pops in 39 goals, and suddenly like, hey, if you're eating waffles and Nutella, maybe that's what works for you. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, he, he went on to say, hey, he's, he's detailed in the piece by Ian McIntyre, uh, added some muscle, obviously, but uh, shed out 10 pounds. So here's the thing. There's all this conversation about Andre Kuzmenko. Is he going to maintain his goal-scoring pace, 39 goals last year? And there's all sorts of markers that we should be concerned about. That shooting percentage absolutely should come down, sitting at 27.3 last year historic numbers for Andre Kuzmenko. Look, that's going to come down. We know it's going to come down. And the natural fear is goals will go along with it. You know, one thing that I look at too is how do you ward off that regression for your production is shoot more. And it's mentioned in the piece that, yeah, he does want to shoot more. He only got 143 shots on target, 276 in total last year. But if you're going to get more ice time and you're going to get more shots, that's the way to ward off that regression to say, hey, 27.3% shooting percentage, that's going to plummet. Maybe it comes down to 18, maybe it comes down to 12. But if you're shooting more, here's the thing that Andre Kuzmenko's got to work on. 
developing trust in the coaching staff that the two roles that have to be yours all season are Elias Pedersen's wing and power play one. Those are the things that you got to earn and own all season long. And one of the ways I'm imagining you to do it is better fitness. Coach, I can actually play regular 18 minutes a night. One of the things I found interesting listening to Talkett on one of the Canucks pieces was when Talkett was a player, he loved the challenge of playing late in the game and knowing mm-hmm. top defensemen like Scott Stevens and other defensemen of that era were bearing down on him to try and keep the puck in. I found that very, very fascinating listening to Rick Talkett speak this week, and that's going to be part of the challenge. That's going to be assessed to Andre Kuzmenko. How does he handle when, let's just say as an example, a Darnell Nurse or a Drew Doughty is coming down him mm-hmm. in the wall in a one-goal game in the third period, right? 100%. And those are you know situational roles that I look at and I say, yeah, that's something that you're going to have to earn the trust. But as far as like declaring these spots in the lineup are mine and you're not taking them away from me, I want to be with Elias Pettersson, five on five. That's where I need to be. None of this throw, throwing me up and down the lineup. Look, it's going to happen sometimes, but it happened with a lot of frequency last year. Bruce Boudreaux scratched him. At one point, Tockett fluctuated his usage five on five. And also, I'm going to own the power play. Because if, if you get the minutes up and you're playing with the premier player in the league, your opportunities are going to come. Again, the shooting percentage might come down. But suddenly, if you're playing regularly, 17 and a half minutes a night, 18 minutes a night. And the best thing for the Canucks is to not have him be yo-yoed around. Yes. As you mentioned. Because if you yo-yo but, Zmanko around... Other players are getting yo-yoed around. Now, the reason you, you yo-yo the guy around is he's not physically fit enough to do it. Yeah. We don't have the trust in him. So the first thing here is, are you physically fit enough? Yeah. Is that, I've been using the phrase, checked box. Is that another checked box for Andre Kuzmenko that, hey, maybe my body could only play 1,300 minutes last year. And if I want to push it to 1,400, 1,500, and be a 17-and-a-half-minute player, 18-minute-a-night player, I got to be physically fit enough to be able to sustain myself that late in games, I'm fresh. I'm not sitting on the bench sucking wind, and I'm going to be able to contribute but maybe effectively. That, maybe that also gets tied into his raise in salary this year, right? Like, is your, Potentially, too. Because you're conditioning at a $5 million level as opposed sure. to what is that last year at entry level. And. I think we're focused too much at times on, well, this is what he was last year. He shoots like this. That's it. The way to bounce back and sustain, hey, 39 goals, 35, maybe it even pushes 40, is physical fitness and owning those roles. I was looking at it too. If you did the, you know, how many goals he had in 81 games and the goals per game numbers don't look that fantastic. But I look at, I went and looked at even minutes per goal. Suddenly that looks awesome marvelous for Andre Kuzmenko. Last season, he finished ninth in minutes per goal. Again, he's getting played, but the usage fluctuated so much. But if you went from some nights he was playing 12 minutes, some nights he was playing 18, 19, because his usage fluctuated so much, his actual minutes per goal were completely different. And I'll pose this to you. I keep making the link between him and Pedersen. How many games, I'll ask Eddie, how many games last year do you think PD had less than 18 minutes? And how many games do you think Kuzmenko had more than 18? More than 18? Mm-hmm. 15 for Kuzmenko? Yeah, he had 22 of 81 games. Yeah, that's not a lot. That's not a lot. For a guy that we're expecting, hey, yeah. 35-plus goals, a quarter of the games he played more than 18 minutes? 
That's tough. And Petey had nine games only under 18 minutes. Yeah. So he's earned that trust. That's your stud, yeah. right? If you're, if you're worried about Kuzmenko shooting regression, look, it's going to happen. He's not going to shoot 27.3 but again. How much better are the Canucks if both those guys are consistently above 18 minutes a night? Precisely. And with the way we know Patterson, and you know who else is going to be on that line too? Forget even though the forward. Queen Hughes is going to play a lot with Elias Patterson. Yes. They're going to tilt the ice. Yes. And when you get Kuzmenko with a puck on his stick, with the hands and a little bit of space in the offensive zone, his natural skill is going to take over and put the puck in the net. Don't have to worry about that. The intelligence, the intelligence of where to go should still be there for Andre Kuzmenko. Absolutely. We can talk about, hey, tip-ins, that sort of stuff regresses. Absolutely. But if you're playing more and you increase the amount of opportunities you have, I'm less concerned about the actual goal production. But at the end of the day, the difference between winning and losing is the details defensively. And it really becomes highlighted in the postseason. But you have to get there first. And that's when you establish that importance of attention to detail defensively in the regular season. You try and build those habits from October, November, December that they pay dividends in January, February, March. Uh, 650, 650. Wouldn't it be goals per minute? Uh, minutes per goal just sounds weird. I don't know. I know what you mean anyways. We're saying like every 33 minutes he was scoring a goal. How efficient is your offense? Yeah, th- th- that's the way. Look, you, you can read it however you want, but because uh, I think goals per minute would be... Ask one of the analytics. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just saying minutes per goal. Uh, it, it took them every 33 minutes. We, we do goals per game very often, and, and those numbers, again, it's just a one-counting stat. You played in this game, carried on to the rest of the season. How did it look? And for that point, it's like, hey, Andre Kuzmenko was nearly half a goal a game. But uh, how frequently was he scoring in between those games? Uh, about every 33 minutes for Andre Kuzmenko, which is kind of an encouraging sign. Uh, because it's it's among the best that we've seen here in the past decade. I think it put him at 39th over the past decade. But if he maintains that and he increases his minutes, what well, is the potential? That's right? the thing, right? That's the thing. If he increases his minutes and his trust in the coaching staff, that's the big thing. Uh, but it's a great piece. Go read it up on uh, sportsnet.ca from the triple threat, Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, says he's, he's had to ditch the waffles, which uh, I tell you, look, that's a tough one. So there's some media members that'll take the slack. I had waffles this morning. There you go. Absolutely. Egos. Can't Lego my Egos, man. Hanging on to those for sure. Uh, that's why I'm still in uh, preseason shape. All right. A fun uh, new segment we're going to be doing here uh, every Friday. We like to relax on our way out on Fridays. Uh, so you know we always have some fun during the show where it's like, hey, remember this guy? Remember this guy? And we, we, we spend like. Way too long. And this was kind of the summer of that because there was Puck Doku, Immaculate Grids, whatever your favorite sport was. That that really helped us get through the summer because it can be a long time. Because we know summer here in Vancouver starts much earlier. Yes. April. It's like, hey, last game of the season is in April. <laughs> so playoff games for to talk hockey about. for six months in this yeah, town. Yeah, so, so Puck Doku was very popular here uh, in the lower mainland. Things of that nature. And so we thought, you know what, let's, let's just bring it to the airwaves. And let's, let's, let's have a guy's name in dudes. And, again, you don't need to be a guy to play along, uh, but it's it's the famous tweet of uh, guys can just hang out and name their favorite sports teams or sports players for hours. Uh, so to wrap up the show on Friday, it's just what we're doing now. Guys naming dudes. So there was a, a tweet going out uh, last night during the Thursday night football game. Minnesota Vikings wide receiver, 
Justin Jefferson. He's just 24 years old and now has more career receiving yards than any Chicago Bears receiver in team's history, all 100 years of it. So I thought today, let's just name Chicago Bears wide receivers, your favorite throughout the course of the years. Because apparently they just they just never have good wide receivers. In the history of the Chicago Bears, a 100-plus-year franchise, they have not had someone that's got more receiving yards than Justin Jefferson. Rough one. And Justin Jefferson, a handful of years into his career. It's so going through. I was just thinking, all right, let's name some Chicago Bears wide receivers. Who has won you a fantasy week? Who do you actually remember that's played for the Chicago Bears? Brandon Marshall. Big one for me. One of my first follows on Twitter. Go figure. B Marsh. Jim McMahon. We're looking for wide receivers here, Eddie. QBs. Sorry, I was looking for the intro for the speech. <laughs> Jim McMahon, sure. If we want to name Chicago Bears, for sure. Uh, like Marty Booker. It's a famous one. Curtis Conway. Curtis Conway. Great headshot on like. See it everywhere you go. Uh, when, when you're playing video games back in the day, Curtis Conway's got a great headshot. Great smile for Curtis Conway. Johnny Knox, I'll remember. I'm trying to remember guys that Jay Cutler caught passes from. Johnny Knox, was he picked up an injury uh, landing in the turf, and it was like a very serious neck injury. I, I don't know if he ever played again after that. But Johnny Knox uh, was certainly one as well. Chase Claypool, uh, people are texting in 650-650. Uh, who cares about the Bears wide receivers? They've won Super Bowls. Man, that was so long ago. I made that singular. Not Super Bowl. Yeah. So long ago, though. Uh, Earl Bennett was one. I think he was Jay Cutler's friend from college. And so they they, they got along really well. RJ and Killarney texting in. Moosh and Muhammad as well. Good shout by RJ and Killarney. 650, 650. Uh, Red Chase Claypool as well. Uh is that stat supposed to be embarrassing for Bear fans? They've actually won a championship as opposed to the perpetual losers that the Vikings are. Sure. Absolutely. They've got a chip, but still. But at least they have one of those guy, teams of all time that has success, not like the Vikings with the team in 98 that had a great run but lost in the championship game to Atlanta. How, how old is Justin Jefferson? Is this the fourth year into the league? And he's already got more receiving yards than all of your franchise? So I just thought, hey, who, who are the guys that haven't lived up to it? Uh, Devin Hester coming into the inbox, 650, 650. You know, Devin Hester was kind of a two-way player as well. He was a special team star. Yeah, special teams. But you know what? We'll fit in this. He did catch passes. So we'll fit it into this. Guys naming dudes here on the People Show. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, part of that Monsters on Midway with Brandon Marshall. Yes. 17. Always looked a fan, like a fantastic jersey. Like aesthetically, 17 on that Bills or on that on that Bears uniform, just looks fantastic. Need some stones to pull off that number in that market. 17? Yeah. Yeah. There are some jerseys on certain teams, whether it's hockey, baseball, whatever, that just look fantastic. Yes. Uh, to be honest, like 22 and 33 in Canucks numbers, not just because Sadine's made it so good, but like something about the color connection just really looked good. It, it carried over from jersey to jersey. It always looked really good. Yeah. To me, 19 on the Red Wings, I mean, for Steve Eiserman, but it always just had a presence. Any red jersey with 19 on it, yes, I think looks really strong. Absolutely. 19 is such a strong number. It sounds strong. 19. Uh, doesn't Joey Votto wear 19? 
Yes, he does. Right? So Cincinnati Reds, just, it just looks good on a red jersey. That black and, uh, or that dark blue and orange looks good for Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, a lot of... A lot of Devin Hester shouts uh, coming right now. 650, 650. Eric Moulds from Dorn and Cumberland. Buffalo Bills star. Eric Moulds uh, gets some uh, Chicago Bears time as well. See? No, you know what? He didn't. He didn't. Eric Moulds was a uh, Bills and Titans. Good try in the inbox, though. Kevin White. Kevin and Port Moody. That's a good shout. Early first round pick. Did not work out at all, but he dominated. Uh, but Kevin and Port Moody, good shout there with Kevin White as well, coming to the inbox. Uh, it's hard to keep up with the inbox right now. It's all Willie Galt, Devin Hester uh, shouts coming in right now. Uh, good stuff. See, that one coming in on the inbox from Travis the Courier, based on a technicality, I wonder if he's going to beat the criteria, but obviously Mike Dicka speaks for itself. Uh, you know what? We'll we'll allow it. We'll just, allow it. Just based on his history and his look back in the it's Mike 60s Ditko. and 70s. What are we going to do? Not allow Mike Ditka in part of the uh, the game here today? You tell that to Mike Ditka to his face. Oh, yeah. Just sunglasses and cigar going? We're not yeah. dealing with that at all. Uh, but an absolute legend. Uh, all right. Fun first edition. We'll do it throughout the course of uh, the season. A lot more coming up uh, for guys naming dudes here. We'll, we'll just come up with some prompt. It could be Bears wide receivers. It could be Winnipeg Jets, D-man, whatever it is. Uh, throughout the rest of the season. Carolina Hurricanes goaltenders. I'm, I'm already excited. Pumped for it. It's like I, I, I've got my Artis Urbe tucked in my back pocket. Martin Gerber. Ready for that reference down the road. Again, who's not thinking of Carolina Hurricanes goalies all of a sudden? We're like, oh, I can't wait till we do that one. I will write that out next Friday. Uh, have a good weekend, though. Uh, Monday, uh, no people show. I'm on Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd. We'll be over at the Jake Milford uh, Charity Invitational the unofficial kickoff to training camp. You'll hear prospects uh, all through the course of the weekend. Brendan Batchelor over in Penticton for the Young Stars Classic. Cannot wait. Hockey season returns next week here on The People Show.